All right, everyone. Welcome back here to another episode on the Lure Lab, part of the Serious Angler Network, and I am your host, the captain, Andrew Full. And today we have a really cool episode for you. We have Ty Berger coming on of Bass Fishing HQ, and we're going to be talking about flipping shallow cover. So you guys are going to want to stay tuned to, through this one. We're going to talk all kinds of different things like hooks, weights, when to choose certain colors of plastics, and etc. But real quick before we get Ty on here, um, I hope you tuned in to last week's episode. We had Gussie on talking about Demiki rigging and how he won 300 grand fishing the Bassmaster Classic. So if you did miss that, circle back, make sure you listen to it after this one. But without further ado, let's get Ty on here. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Andrew? Not too bad. I know you, you've had a long day here as we're recording on this evening, and you just got off the water, basically probably got home just a couple hours ago. Yep. Have, no, no, yeah, I had a long, long child uh, was up at like 345, and so after he got up, I just I just stayed up, you know, came out to the barn that I have here and rigged up rods and yeah, fished the tournament, and I got home a little bit ago, ate dinner, and now here we are. So sorry, but thanks <laughs> for taking the time. I I appreciate you squeezing it in here. Uh, this next week is as we're recording this a uh, week before it gets launched. It's going to be a hectic week for it. We haven't announced anything that's going on in my household, so not many people have, like really know what's happening. And I'm sure you can guess now. But trying to get a couple episodes pre-recorded here for everyone and. I appreciate you taking the time and squeezing it in. So thank you. But anyways, we'll kind of uh, dive into it here, right? Like flipping shallow cover, it's probably one of my absolute favorite things to do. Pick up a somewhat big stick, like a seven and a half foot, seven, three to seven and a half foot rod, heavy line and wrenching them out of things. So kind of first, like, do you want to dive into some baits that you like to use? Yeah, sure. I mean, you you tell me, you want to go right to the baits? Yeah, we'll start off like uh, baits that you like to use, and then we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Yeah, so I, I've i always been a guy that like – like I just think that we overcomplicate, um, overcomplicate a lot in fishing. Um, so I do keep things extremely simple. I always really have. And, and really the philosophy for me when it comes down to baits is you have baits that are flapping type baits, flappers, so your crawl baits – um the one of the baits here that is actually one of my favorites this is the the burke uh the pit boss we got yeah. is that's that a, the old school one or the new no one? it's not uh, this is oh. a new one yeah <laughs> so okay. I, I do have a couple of the the old school bags but they're of course in colors i don't really like but the pit boss is uh, i guess you could say i was kind of late to the party on the pit boss um i really didn't pick it up until maybe the last couple of years um and really started fishing it a lot and really enjoyed that bait um, but to me getting back to what i said you have the flapping style baits anything that really has kind of a lot of commotion and then you have the ones that just kind of fall through the water without any commotion so like your beaver style bait and your tubes you know to me those are very similar kind of categories to put things in um, so i always think about when when someone says, hey, I'm catching them on this or catching them on that, like w- what kind of category of lure are we talking about here? Because sometimes bass are very specific, right? They do want a very specific color in fall. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes I really think it's just kind of those categories. So to me, one of my favorites, like we just talked about, uh, uh, the Berkeley, uh, the Pit Boss. So yeah. it's like 
This is the one that I've been flipping and pitching a lot lately. Um, and in all sorts of cover, um, whether that's grass, you know, milfoil, hydrilla, um, or whether that's uh, wood. So that's one of my favorites. Um, the other one of my favorite baits to flip and pitch is a tube. I think that a tube is one that people just put down a long time ago. You know, Denny Brower won those tournaments. The tube became extremely popular. Then people started losing a lot of fish on the tube. And uh, for me, the Strike King four and a half inch Denny Brower flipping tube um, is that's my like go to. Like if I cannot get bit on anything in the world, I pick that tube up. And that's what I'm going to flip and pitch. And I have extreme amount of confidence in it. And I feel um, like we'd fish together really well. Cause my yeah. tube base that I flip a lot of times is a pit boss and a tube. Really? So like I'm a huge tube guy. I yeah. love flipping a four and a half inch tube, but I am a big fan of the Denny Brower one. And then also the yum Vibra King tube. The oh old my ones gosh, are, dude. Yeah. We would get along. I used to fish <laughs> nothing but that tube. And it was because yeah. of Timmy Horton won a tournament and i remember him flipping and he was like i'm flipping a yum viber king tube and i'm like what's that i looked it up i always used to buy them do they even make those anymore they still do do they like yeah. i dude i used to fish nothing but a green pumpkin yum viber king tube everywhere that's so yeah. funny it's i haven't fished in years though now so it's a great bait yeah <laughs> and then it, it's unfortunate because one of my other favorite like flipping baits that yum discontinued was the old yum suey I don't know if oh, you remember that one, but I that was another that. good one. I do like remember that. I didn't use it a lot, but I remember cross that between one. a tube and like a brush hog in a way. Yeah. It was a cool little bait. But yeah. anyways, you like to keep things basic. So like what are like some of the specific colors you use? And is it based off of watercolor? Is it based off of like sunlight penetration? So kind of dive into there. Yeah, so really for me again sim simple you know categories i always stick things in the categories and, and then flipping and pitching you kind of have your colors and you have your natural colors you know that's a very easy way for me to to think about it and i think that a lot of times bass are going to be on one or the other sometimes they'll get a little bit more specific maybe they'll be on a specific natural color um, but for me a lot of times natural green pumpkin right green pumpkin mimics everything that's in the water um i do tend to like for instance like the 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 kind of two-tone ones so um when i'm fishing in grass I, I don't know why i really feel that the ones that are like this is this particular color right here i can't it's a bama bug right so it's like it's almost like a june bug on one side which you can't probably see too well in the camera. I guess you can probably. You can this, this side is more of that green pumpkin. And I really think that when you're fishing grass, a lot of times grass is green, right? So you can, on really light, bright days where the sun penetrates, I think that a bass can very easily differentiate green pumpkin from the grass. And so that's what I flip. But almost any other time, I'm flipping kind of that two-tone dark on one side, green pumpkin on the other side and i think that for that reason is because i feel like it goes in and out of them being able to see it at times so like as it's kind of twisting or kind of going through the water it's like they get a little shimmer of that dark and they're like what's that you know as it goes down and then they are able to like see it and go over there and get it and 
I like I didn't test this, but like me and my buddy were like flipping and pitching, same setup, same everything, except for I was fishing the green pumpkin with that uh, the Bama bug, which is basically green pumpkin and June bug, and he was fishing just green pumpkin, and I thought I got a lot more bites, and so like it it just it's just one of those things that like I just believe in it, and I can kind of reason it. It may not always be the thing, but for the most part, natural colors, dark colors, like when I am flipping and pitching a lot of times in wood. I just kind of do green pumpkin or black and blue. Like that's my go-to. Like it's very blah in, in terms of bass fishing, but I just don't feel like you need to make it super crazy. You know, like that's, that's my big thing in fishing is like, just keep it simple. Green yeah. pumpkin. Oh, that one's black and blue. And that one's green pumpkin. It's yeah. literally like the only two colors I yeah. own. It, I think. It's just, it's just keep it simple. You know, like I, you know, you guys get a thousand comments on your videos and, and I do on my channel and they're all a lot of times the same thing of like, what color is that? What color is that? Or what are you throwing? And it's just like, dude, it's the same thing. You know, like it's same thing. It's boring, but it works. And I'm very confident in it. So you don't dive into the hype of like the crazy flex in green pumpkin. So like, Oh, I was catching them today on a green pumpkin pit boss with purple and gold flake in it. I had to dip the tail in chartreuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, when it comes to flipping and pitching now, when it comes to like casting things like smallmouth, maybe at times I get a little bit more into color, but a lot of times when you're flipping and pitching, it's reaction, right? Like that thing breaks through the cover or into the wood and like you're not usually yo-yoing that thing before you get bit it's boom it's through it's it's the fish has got it so sometimes i don't even think color matters period like probably more times than we would think it would but um but yeah i don't get really into it i will do the whole chartreuse tip things when i'm flipping from time to time um and that's mostly bluegill related. Like yeah. if I feel like those fish are eating bluegill, that's that's when I'm going to do the chartreuse tip, just to kind of somewhat mimic a bluegill. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm the same exact way. Like if I'm fl if I'm up shallow, like combat fishing in bushes, docks, whatever it is, grass, and I see a bluegill swim by, and I see that bright chartreuse tail on, I'm like, all right, I haven't gotten bit yet. Let me dip the tail and just. Yep. see and usually it's like within a couple of cash like okay yep i gotta dip yeah. the tail <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so it's just always paying attention to your surroundings so mm -hmm. now i kind of want to dive into this one real fast and that's hooks there's always seems to be like this great debate online right like between ewg ewg and straight shank hooks do you prefer one or the other or do you use both and when do you use each one if you were to use them yeah so I am not a big fan of EWGs anymore. Um, and I would say that that, so when it comes to flipping and pitching short range stuff, I honestly, I, I think an EWG is actually okay. Like that's what I used to use all the time because like you said, King tune. I used an EWG in it all the time back in the day, and I had no issues with that. And I think it's a short range thing that I tend to set the hook really hard. Like I'm just naturally, I set the hook hard, and there's no way I'm not going to fix it. Right? I'd rather like taper, get my rod to like work with my hook set. Mm -hmm. um, but an EWG at a long distance, like if I'm casting a worm, I really do not like that. Like not at all. I will not do it anymore. I've lost a lot of fish with that. 
but we're talking about flipping and pitching. So I don't think that it really matters, but I've kind of gotten away from EWGs like for the most part um, because of that whole long range thing. So I do use the, the straight shank on uh, all of my baits for the most part. We'll talk about a tube here in a second. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty simple. It's a, it's a trocar TK 130, kind of the standard flipping hook. Uh, four-aught is probably what I use the most. Um, I will use a five-aught and I will use a three-aught. I actually tend to use the three-aught um, when I'm punching um, as opposed to the other hooks that are a little bit bigger. So uh, when it comes to a tube, though, I really like, and they're kind of hard to find nowadays, um, and I think that's because of a video I put out, which I need to start buying up before I do those type of things. But um, <laughs> the the Trocar tube hook, um, which I don't even have one. It's, I could probably dig around the boat and grab one. But it's a very unique style hook. Um, and I started using that several years back and just had really good hookup rates with it. Really good hookup rates, rates with it. I use the six aught most of the time, which sounds really big, but that hook is a little bit smaller in comparison to like other six aughts that you would find, but it is a thicker gauge. Now, again, with me setting the hook hard, it doesn't matter. And I've used that same hook with 20 pound fluoro or braided line, and I have no issues. So those are really the two hooks that I like um, for the most part. And that's what I I am a straight shank guy, but honestly, like I said, I don't think it really, because I use the EWG for so long up shallow, but again, if I'm casting an EWG, I do not like that. No way. Yeah. So the next great debate, right, is to snell or not snell. And I saw with your fluorocarbon, you did not snell that yeah. straight shank hook, but with braid, will you snell? No. So... It's that comes down to the weight size to me. If I'm under three quarters, which a lot of times I'm flipping and pitching, I do not, I won't snow. I don't think it matters. I do wholeheartedly believe that it matters big time when you get up over that kind of three quarter ounce. Cause the big thing with the snow, not right is you're kicking that hook out. And I think it's really important when you have those bigger weights, which to me, if you're flipping three over a three quarter, you're kind of getting into a bigger size, even when we're using the tungsten, definitely with the, the ounce, the ounce and a half, even two ounces, like I'm definitely going to snell those uh, for sure. I don't, I, I've caught so many fish on, you know, not snelling with three eighths ounce. That's probably like my pretty typical flipping and pitching weight. Like as long as it's not matted stuff. Um, you know, if it's wood cover, if it's uh, just sparse grass, a three eighths is what I pick up a lot. I do not snow with that. I mean, I, I think you could and you would be fine. I just don't think it's necessary. Fair enough. So now I, my question, now that we're talking about tungsten weights, right? You know, there seems to be like not as big of a debate, but it's when to use the worm tungsten weight as opposed to the flipping tungsten weight. So yeah. can you kind of elaborate when you would use each one of those? But I'm sure up shallow, you're probably using the flipping one more. Yeah. So honestly, to me, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't give a rip which one it is. Like it, I use the flipping one most of the time, whether I'm casting it or like the shape of this particular one right here, you can see is, let me find it is kind of that yeah. flipping style right so i'm not a big like if it's a like i said if i'm fishing a three eighths ounce even if a half ounce weight 
the the circumference, the diameter of that weight is not big enough for me to really believe it's going to make a, a difference um, uh, when it comes to that. So honestly, I but I would probably be fine just fishing the worm style weight too. Like I don't really, I honestly, until I get into the really bigger weights, I don't really care too much. I do like that flipping style weight, obviously when they're really big, um, big style weights, but I, I don't, I don't really have a, uh, I don't even know what to say. I don't, I don't really care which one I'm using to be honest. A lot of times if I'm fishing a quarter or three eight ounce weights. So. Yeah. I, uh, I resonate with that as well. I, I'm almost always just a flipping weight because it's like, yeah. why, why go with a slender one? I almost feel like if I flip into something and like, say there's gravel there, even with that flipping weight, it has a little bit more circumference around the tip of the weight that you get just mm -hmm. a bit more feel. And toward yeah. the worm weight, it's more, I feel like if I'm going to cast a worm, I might use the worm weight, but I know people will use it for flipping. And I'm just like, yeah, I feel like I feel yeah. more with the flipping weight. Yeah, I'm, that's what I do. Like when I order weights for the the season, I just order all flipping weights. Like, you know, from court, from eighth ounce to two ounces. So oh, perfect. So all right, kind of real fast before we dive into like approaching shallow water cover to flip with, like kind of run through your rod, reel, and line setups real fast if you can for fluoro and braid. Okay, so for me, um, I probably have three different flipping and pitching rods so if i'm flipping and pitching straight wood this is a preference thing for me but if it's straight wood i like kind of your typical uh flipping and pitching gear which is this is 20 pound straight fluorocarbon line uh, this is a seven foot six inch i go with a medium heavy often a seven foot six inch medium heavy and again that's because of my hook set you could go with that heavy power um you know, in, in the action on this rod is a fast action, but it kind of, I feel like it's a little bit more limber. Like it's, it's a little bit more of a moderate fast, really. Um, I, I'm going to set the hook hard. And so I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about getting a hook in the fish as much as breaking the line. So I, I stepped away from heavy power rods and like extra fast action rods on my flipping stick for the most part. Um, so that's kind of like my all-purpose wood rod. And I'll use the exact same rod. I know we're not really talking about jigs tonight, but this is the exact same combo with a jig um, that I like to use a lot too. Uh, so that's kind of like wood. Now, when it comes to when it comes to like deeper grass, when you know, like a lot of times milfoil, for example, or, or coontail, if you're kind of flipping some of the outskirts of that or milfoil, if you're flipping in it, I've gone full on Seth fighter with this. Like he does the, the, I, I, it's a little bit different, but he does a braid to fluorocarbon leader with his flipping setup. And he does a seven foot medium power rod. Actually, it's a really weird setup. I don't go that light on the rod. I use, I use basically my, my, uh, my, uh, like offshore slash frog rod, which is a seven foot three inch medium heavy. Um, so I will go 40 pound braid to a 20 pound fluorocarbon leader with that. That's like, that's like grass flipping edges of grass. Anytime I'm around grass, I really like that. And I've, I've really delved into that the last couple of years. And the, the only reason I don't like doing that combo 
when I'm fishing wood is because of getting that knot too much in the wood. And even though I use a fairly long leader, the leader's probably 10 or 12 foot. Even braid I, too, kind of will dig into the wood, right? Exactly. So you get braid that goes in the wood. You have that knot going in and out of wood. I just don't like it. That's why I like that straight fluorocarbon on my wood setup. Um, but then, but then um, if I can get away with just straight braid, I will definitely do that. Now, if I am like flipping a pitch in heavy cover, matted vegetation, then I'm going to step up the rod. I'm going to step up the line. So I don't go to like crazy. I think 65 pound is the, is the most that you need as a bass fisherman as far as braid goes. Sometimes I go with the lighter ones, to be honest. I like actually punching a lot of times with uh, 50 pound just because 50 pound braid is not as noisy of a line, um, especially if you get like a – you can get like the uh, the higher – if you get like a seven or eight or nine, um, I can't think of the name. My, the my carrier count braids. Carrier, exactly. So those are very silky smooth going in and out of grass. It's very quiet. And I have seen at times in Florida where that made a really big difference. Having line that was like I was using like 50 pound Power Pro and my buddy was using 50 pound. Um, I don't even know what the line was, but I know it was a nine carrier braid. And he was getting a lot more bites, same exact setup. And it was all about that noise. It was a very quiet day, though. So, that, uh, hmm. But anyways, um, if I can get away with straight braid or, or punching, um, I'm going to go with 50-pound 50, 50 braid. Um, and I will go up a size of my rod. So then I tend to do the 7-foot, 11-inch, and that's a heavy power rod. And that's mostly just to get a big fish out of the heavy cover. So... The, the, the big thing when you're doing that is the hook set though. You cannot slack line them and you really don't even set the hook. Like it's more of a pole, you know, like I have, I, I struggled with that hook set for a year, like probably a year of punching before I really like had to calm myself down more or less to be able to get a good, good hook. And like as you're kind of leaning in, we have to be like reeling down, but pulling back at the same time. Yeah, it's almost like a, right it's now. like a spinning rod hook set, but yeah. on a bigger rod, you know, like and a little faster and a little harder, but not yeah, just, quite. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> so, all right. So two more questions here before the absolute final one, but like, what type of shallow cover do you like to target? I'm going to kind of tie them in together. And then when do you first start approaching that shallow water cover target? And how do so, you kind of break it down? Yeah. So, okay. What was the first question you asked? Like your favorite type of shallow water cover, like okay. docks, wood, vegetation. Yeah. So mix. for me, I am, I am full on grass. Like I am full on vegetation. Like if I, if there's vegetation in a lake, I will skip every piece of wood, every dock in the lake to get to the vegetation. I just really like grass fishing and I really like grass flipping, pitching a lot. Like that's, I'm not going to say that I was like, I'm not going to say that I was like, that's what I used to do back in the day. It's just something that I've just cling to. Like when I go to lakes and they have that bite, like I love it. So when it comes to flipping and pitching wood, I don't do it as much, but around where I live, there's a lot of just wood flipping to be done. So I'm just, it's just something that I've done a lot. Now, as far as approaching it, um, you know, for me, I think that the further south you go in your lakes, the longer it takes for bass to kind of move up shallow in the spring, like 
these and you're in the north too so like a lot of times in the north like i've caught fish flipping in, in 46 degree water when it's when it's starting to get muddy i think 50 degrees is really that magical water temperature where in the north you're going to start to see a lot of fish in the shallow water and already starting to move kind of getting ready to set up the spawn so that's the way that i really like start to um, think hey you know flipping a lot of times i'm gonna throw a spinner bait uh, and then find some fish and then slow down and flip them. But, um, that's something I do a lot. But the other thing, um, that I like to do approaching wise is I think the big thing with flipping and pitching is being stealthy, you know, like you've got to be as stealthy as you can. And so there's two ways of being stealthy and they're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. One is like, Hey, turn off all your electronics turn off everything and just drift with the wind. That's one way that I like to approach things. If I can, it's, it's easier to do on vegetation lakes where you can drift across the flat. Um, the other thing is that I do all the time. And I was just talking to a guy at hummingbird about this is I keep my trolling motor on a constant speed. When I'm in shallow water, I don't, I don't get on it or off of it on a small speed. I, I put that on a very, um, low to low medium setting and I just leave it on. And that I truly believe is something that a lot of guys don't do. And it, and they will miss, they will not get a lot of bites if they are on that trolling motor and off that trolling motor, on that trolling motor and off that trolling motor. So that's just something that I really like to do that I really think helps me get a few more bites when I'm out there. It's a, uh, if you've ever like gone to a lake where it's really clear and you're sneaking up on like, for example, a carp, um, you can, you can literally almost run over a carp. If you have your trolling motor on a constant speed all the way up to that fish, he won't spook until the last second. But if you're on that trolling motor and off of it, he'll spook at a distance, right? Because it just, if it comes and it's constant from a ways away, he just, it's like a frog boiling in water, right? If, if it's instantly hot, they jump out, but if it boils slowly, they'll stay there forever. Right? So that's, that's the same concept, but with bass. I like it. That, that's really interesting. I've never thought of that. I'm always like, I'm going to put my trolling motor on like a two and I do get on and off of it, but I try to stay away from it and kind of cast to the shallow cover, especially if it's like grass on wood or grass to a dock. I'll try to be as far as as far away from it as possible while being efficient and still being able to pick it apart. Yeah. That, and that's a good, like even just being away from the cover, like you're saying that that's a huge thing. Like everybody wants to, you know, you see, you see the, the Denny Browers of the back in the day, you see the Greg Hackney's these days right up on it and you wouldn't do that, but it doesn't always work out the best to do that. Be right there. So. Yes. Especially with how much pressure all of our bodies of water have now you it's figuring out ways to get these fish to bite without spooking them first yeah. or blowing yeah. out the shallow cover so yeah. um with grass right you say you like shallow cover grass shallow water grass like what is besides milfoil and coontail like what are some of the 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 variations in the grass what do you look for that tells you that a bass should live in this area before i hit you with the last question yeah so that's that's kind of a uh you know what you see on grass fisheries is it's it's a lot of times it's it's all different you know like if you go to a lake that doesn't have a lot of grass and then you have a couple of clumps of grass just rod just fell oh. then um 
those fish are going to be on the edges of those clumps. Now, if you have a, a, a lake that's full of grass and you have holes in the grass, those bass are going to be on the holes. So like the big thing, you know, and I made a whole like video all, all talking about grass and like what to look for. And the thing is, is that it's always different. Like every lake you go to, you find, you know, sometimes it's the inside turns of a grass and outside turns. So like I look for edges. I look for bait fish. I look for a mix of cover. I feel like those are typical things. Like if you can find two different grasses coming together, that's a great thing. If you can find grass meeting rock, that's especially smallmouth, like and largemouth in the north, like that's everything. So um, for me, a lot of times though, when it comes down to grass fishing, um, once you know bait is in the area, for instance, bluegill, you're going to hear them popping on the surface. Like, honestly, like you just have to work through it. You know, like this, is this kind of goes back to like just fishing, you know? And I think that that's the good thing about finding grass fish at times is I fish a body of water that's really small next to me. Um, but I'll spend the time to just go out and, and flip and pitch grass often. And you'll find these just small little subtle sections that there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes it's a very clear reason, right? Like I said, rocket, there's some boulders in the grass. There's some hard bottom next to the grass, but sometimes they're just in a, a, an area, you know, whether there's a little, you know, school of bluegill in the area or whatnot, you don't really know, but you'll find these little sections that no one else finds unless they go out there and kind of grid an area. And those are the best areas every single time so i can't always say hey that's gonna be a great area you know because like every lake is different when it comes to grass and i just believe that bass will gravitate towards vegetation because of the oxygen the clear water there's always bait in the grass so uh i, I know that's kind of an open-ended answer uh, but it's the truth. It, it always looks a little bit different. Grass in Florida, hydrilla, a lot of times you're dealing with is very different than than milfoil or coontail that you might fish in the north or even the 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 like northern elodia, which is northern hydrilla, is different than the the southern stuff. So grass, grass, <laughs> fun. So. All right, Ty. Well, first, I want to say thank you for taking the time here to come record this episode here on the Lure Lab. But this is our final question of the show. It's been customized by Do It Molds. And uh, down below in the link for all of our viewers, there are links there that you can go and purchase your own Do It Molds products to make your own jigs, your own customized tackle, whatever you want to do with it. There's all kinds of them. But uh, the do it molds juice of the show is if you had to flip shallow cover for a living, what is one piece of advice you would tell everyone to stick with while approaching shallow cover? Loaded wow. question. Sorry. Loaded question. No, I, I feel like we've kind of been through it in, in this whole uh, this show in general. And I, to me, the, the big thing is, is keep it simple when it comes to approaching grass. So don't, don't, you know, for me cover, like if, if I, if I were, if I couldn't do anything, looking for grass a lot of times I would keep it really, really simple. And I would also just like the best piece of advice for me, especially when I, I'm, I'm talking about grass in this specific situation is just understand that bass can be anywhere 
in the grass. And some some days you're on the water and it's you will get too narrow-minded as to how to catch fish. Like I've seen this even uh, – I've just seen it a lot where I'm thinking these bass are on the points that are in this grass. I need to run and gun every single point. Okay, that works. But guess what? There's bass on the inside turns. There's bass all over the place. So just realize that that bass are – Bass are lay like grass a whole lot and they could be anywhere in it. And a lot of times it just takes to pick up that rod for me in the grass. Like it's going to be that pit boss and it's going to be a small jig and I'm just going to go and I'm just going to find those little sections where they are, mark them, come back later, tournament, catch them. So I don't know. Yeah. Simple and easy. Well, thank you, Ty, for coming on to the lure lab. We, You've been a guest a couple times, I think, on the Serious Angler Network. So thank you for hopping over here and joining our new show and kind of breaking down uh, shallow water cover fishing. So I appreciate your time, and I wish you the best of luck this summer. Go get a couple of tournament wins and stop coming in second. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> no joke. Second so, sucks. It, it is what it is, but at least you get a nice check, and you yeah. can kind of feel accomplished on the day, yeah. right? So that's right. That's right, buddy. Well, I'll let you get out of here. Thank you Thanks, for your man. time, and we'll chat soon. All right. I appreciate yeah. it. Y'all yep. have a good one. Yep. Bye now. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode here on the Lure Lab. Um, shallow water fishing is absolutely one of my favorite ways to do, especially with shallow cover like wood and docks and grass. Being a smallmouth guide, I don't get to do it very often, but when I do, I try to kind of do it for multiple days in a row if I can. And it's just, there's something about a seven and a half foot rod to seven foot three, seven and a quarter to seven and a half foot rod, 20 pound fluoro, and just ripping on fish. But as always, if you're tuned in on YouTube, uh, please hit that subscribe button. Leave a comment down below with what your shallow water flipping setup is. Maybe some baits that you like to use. If you're on the MP3 side, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, there is a review button. Please hit that review button. Leave us a review. Helps this podcast be seen to more people who love bass fishing. And until next week, we will see you then.